You're listening to Pipe Hitters Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated to empowering you through knowledge, research, and innovation to reach the full potential of your physical performance. I'm your host, Samuel Martinez. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode six of Pipe Hitters Performance. Today we're joined by guest speaker JP McKell, owner of M3 Strength and Conditioning. This episode is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka from Austin, Texas. JP, first off, I just want to thank you for joining us today. And for our listeners out there, JP has an inspiring story on how he went from spending 10 years in prison to owner of his own training facility. So, JP, if you don't mind sharing your story with us. Uh, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, in uh, 2007, I was uh, indicted by the federal government for conspiracy to distribute marijuana. And uh, I was sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. So, originally, before I went to prison, you know, I trained at Gold's Gym. And I did... Uh, I just worked out there. I wasn't a trainer. And I just did your traditional kind of bodybuilding style program that most people do in the commercial gyms. You know, chest and try Monday, back and by Tuesday, legs Wednesday. I mean, if you go to most of those gyms, that's why anybody trains five days a week. It's probably still that same thing. Arms on Friday. And uh, I rode the elliptical for, you know, 20 minutes afterwards. I played flag football twice a week. And I thought I was just, you know, tip top shape. Well, long story, lo and behold, I was, uh, at the time, I had I had already got out of the drug trade, and a little bit about that, I just grew up in a small town, Florida, and uh, just started out extremely small, you know, a couple quarter pounds of weed, and next thing you know, it just grew, and I got a connection out in Texas, and I just applied a lot of good business practice in the wrong trade, and I was just real successful at it, like, People wanted to do, they felt comfortable dealing with me. They knew they didn't have to carry a gun to deal with me. And I just did good business with people. And it just, right. next thing you know, it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. Well, long story short, uh, I made a lot of money at a young age. And uh, me and my brother both were indicted. And we're both now the owners of M3 Strength and Conditioning. Um, so anyways, I, I was training at Gold's Gym that last year before I got out, getting back in shape. I was like, man, I'm done. I had a bunch of drivers. They got knocked off on the interstate. I lost like $112,000 in Beaumont, Texas. I took a bunch of losses back to back, and I was like, man, this is just God trying to tell me something. Look, so I, I started back training at the gym, and I'd, I went to my buddy. I was completely out of shape, and I'd go to my buddy. He was a bodybuilding guy. And I'd be like, man, it's time for me to get back in shape. And he's like, let's do it. And all I have to do is buy him breakfast each morning. He'd go, he trained me. And, uh, man, we were doing just this. I look back on it now. It's this excessive amount of volume. He was one of these guys who was just like, train heavy and train fast. We would go in this gym doing these chest and back supersets. Like, I'm talking about 50 sets. Just I, I, And I'd tell him, I'd be like, man, man, I can't move anymore. But now I look at it, I was expending so many calories. This is how I was getting this weight off of me. Well, long story short, I got in great shape seven months. Well, appeared to be in great shape. And uh, so I got taken out of my environment, and uh, I got put in a place where they didn't have weights anymore. So 
automatically I was forced to adapt to doing pull-ups off of the staircase. We would do dips in the, in the shower. And, uh, you know, I, I saw, I remember me and my brother, we were both on the top tier and I seen these two guys doing burpees. And I, I looked at my brother, I said, man, what kind of Jane, I remember this. I said, what kind of Jane Fonda shit is that? Can we curse on this? No, should we not? No, you're good. Okay. I said, what kind of Jane Fonda shit is that? And I think about all the time whenever I hear like these power lifts, certain people like burpees or some people refer to them up downs and football and stuff. I get it. But when you get put in an environment where you can no longer have a barbell and no longer have these things, well, what are you going to do? Are you just going to complain about not having these things? No, for sure. I agree. So for myself, when I was in basic training, just joining the military, I was getting ready to go to, you know, a selection course that had a high attrition rate. So you have to maintain some form of, you know, physical strength. And like you said, we didn't have barbells anymore. We didn't have a training facility. So all we had were calisthenics. And that's one of the things that, you know, we ended up doing a lot of was burpees. We do hundreds of burpees every night in the showers. And, you know, as much as it sucks, it definitely prepares your body or at least gives you an overall, you know, conditioning and workout for what you have. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, and it kind of lays down that foundation of general fitness that has the ability to potentiate, you know, muscle gains down the road. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, li- I like it. Anyway, so I saw these guys, and uh, they're doing these burpees, and I'm over here. I'm still trying to apply, like, this bodybuilding mentality to calisthenics. I'm, like, over here on these weighted pull-ups, like, got to find a way to put a bag around me or doing these push-ups, put put the weight on my back or whatever. And uh, so Justin said, Justin's got – he said, man, let's try them. So – we tried this. It's a traditional in prison they use, and you'll hear. And we use it in our group class at you go, I go format. Basically, one one work rest ratio, and you start at fifteen. So you'll do fifteen burpees. I'll do fifteen. Then you go down fourteen, fourteen, thirteen, thirteen. Well, by the time I got to fourteen or thirteen, the guy automatically saw. He said, "Man, he slowed it down to like a one to two work rest ratio." Because he and I, I'm looking at my brother, and this is the difference. This is what kind of changed my life. So my brother had been sedentary for years. He's toting an extra 40, 50 pounds. I had just gotten shape the last seven, eight months. I've been going to the gym. But I think I'm in shape. You know, I think because I go to Golds five days a week and I play flag football, but I never put my body to work as a whole. I just trained body parts. I mean, I played flag football, but, and I know endurance is specific to the movement. So anytime you, you know, introduce a new movement, it's going to be, fatiguing but i i knew right then i said man something's wrong with my program i look good but i'm not good like it's my brother's huffing and puffing i we're both huffing and puffing the same but i look jacked like oh man dude looks like a warrior but i'm not i'm dying so (laughs) so from from that day forward you know i went on for like the next five years i did burpees like every other day practically i even got certificates so i can't even believe but when i went to yazoo city we used to do 500 burpees every tuesday and thursday i mean just crazy just i mean burning through you're just burning through the muscle we don't have the nutrition but as far as being conditioned you know we we were doing the best within our situation so long story short i was in the county jail i got sentenced uh, to 10 years, and I I got sent to my institution, which was a, started out at FCI Medium, Yazoo City, Mississippi, and they don't have weights there. They didn't even have pull-up bars there. Wow. So we, we would sneak wow. into the 
We would sneak it. Pretty interesting, but the CO in the morning, if he was cool, he'd unlock the mop closet. So inside the mop closet, there's these pipe bars at the top, enough for two people to go and do their set. So you see guys two and at a time coming out. Two and at a time, gotta move, gotta <laughs> move. Crazy. Two and at a time, gotta move. Yeah, so you, or you could go sneak out to the soccer goal and then you do your dips. Uh, they had like the, it sounds disgusting, but outside on the record, they had like this block uh, where you go take a piss at a urinal and that's where you do your dips at to get in and you just figure it you just figure out ways to work with what you got like when i got there guys were like putting on their gloves like we're going to work out unicorn work hall seven in the morning we're going to work out i'm like what are you going to work out with you'll see come on you know and you find a way you do these workouts where you walk in and you do so many push-ups at each crack and just it's just crazy the biggest thing it probably taught me is just about adapting to your environment in any given situation. And, and, and I've seen it, man. Some do it, most don't. Yeah, and you know, a lot of our listeners can honestly relate to that because in deployed environments, you don't, you don't know, always know what you're going to get. You know, whether you're in Afghanistan, Iraq, Africa, you don't know if you're going to have a gym that has barbells and, and actual gym equipment. So sometimes guys have to adapt. They have to improvise and build themselves a training right. facility. Or like you said, just find something to hang off of where you can knock out some pull-ups, yeah. find some heavy objects to lift. Right. Yeah. yeah, the important thing is adapting. Absolutely, and, adapting to your environment. And the guys that are able to adapt are the ones that have success over the long haul. Like we might have a guy that I'll train for like eight months. He's in great shape. He goes deployed. He's put into a situation where he has to adapt. He might not do such a great job at that. And then when he comes back, He's, I, he, he comes back to me uh, a little bit regressed, so we got to kind of play catch-up. Yeah. But it's the guys that can adapt and just do what they can with their given situation and environment. Right. That when they come back, man, the regression might be like maybe 10 to 7%, and we're, like, we're right back, hit the ground running, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think, I think most of the time what you see is like a, it's, it becomes like a maintenance phase. You're just trying to maintain what you got, at least for, for our guys. But if you can flourish in that environment... That's awesome. Then, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough when, it, you know, you got to, you start looking at things like, all right, maybe I don't have the best nutrition, but what can I do? But in my situation, it was more, this is the one thing that I have that I've lost everything, lost my family, I've lost everything, but this is the one thing I got each day that makes me feel good about myself. And I'm going to make it the best I can within that situation, whether it's asking you to get on my back to do some loaded push up certain way. You just do the best you can within your situation, man. Yeah, for sure. I went on the, the next. So I went on to my next institution after I was at Yazoo for a few years. And I went to another institution called Coleman. And uh, there there were some guys that it was still they had pull up bars and dip bars, but they still didn't have weights. So. And in this institution, they had the, they had a couple guys there getting certified as trainers, and that's whenever I first found out. I was like, man, you can get certified as a fitness trainer in prison. I was like, man, what's you know? I, I had no clue. I was like, man, I would have been doing this because I used to teach some calisthenic classes, but I, I you know I had no clue that you could get certified. So, long story short, they had a bunch of these manuals going around the compound, a little personal trainer, NFPT manuals and ISSA manuals. So I just started getting this information, started studying and uh, going to some of these classes. They had some, a lot of plyometric classes. That's whenever I started to learn about plyometrics and about power output. 
and I, I mean, I've seen some guys do some incredible things as far as I've seen guys. I was telling Mike, I've seen guys do 75 straight pull-ups straight. I mean, I've seen guys set medicine balls on top of box jumps and jump from the ground, land on the medicine ball, nice, soft, quietly jump back on the ground without the ball moving. Just crazy. I mean, yeah. more stuff that look cool. I don't know if it's applicable to like real strength and conditioning because there's not really a real force production component when you don't have the weight. But, you know, you're doing the best you can within your situation. Yeah, so. for sure. So so what kind of credentials do you hold now? And, you know, that's not to say that having these credentials are absolutes because, as we know, you can, you know, you can, you can gain that practical knowledge without being certified anything but what what do you right hold yourself? i have uh i have a uh, certified personal trainer cert through uh issa international science sports association and in there what happens is is you can do all the study and take the test but they withhold the cert from you until you get out so you go get cpr certified then oh, you get gotcha. your cert so i got that one and then i took a youth fitness trainer cert through them and then i took the specialist in strength and condition which is in a real cscs what mike has what probably tyler has but i you know i got to be honest those there's some great information in those right but the information is you know I got to be honest, a lot of those certifying agents, they certify some of the worst trainers in the world. I mean, to me, they're, they're just a paper cert. I mean, there's some guys out there who aren't certified who know, I mean, just awesome, uh, you know, really good, great trainers and never, you know, taken a cert. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like I said, like they might not even have that practical knowledge. They, mm-hmm. you, can, you, can, you can go to college and get these degrees and these certifications and you've never stepped foot in the physical realm, whether it be athletics or a gym just working on your personal fitness and now you're a strength and conditioning coach trying to teach people how to how to right. move when you've never done it yourself yeah. yeah 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 definitely yeah i uh i just lost my train of thought I'm thinking here for a second <laughs> so so you got all these credentials while you were in prison yeah i would probably say like some of the books i just got in prison that i was able to study too is like that weren't certifying but i just had I mean, literally the books under my pillow. You know, I'm just reading it nonstop, yeah. reading it. So a lot of these books that I read, I mean, just along the way, and I, I probably said, you know, if, of course, in the beginning, all I did was read bodybuilder magazines, you know, Muscle and Fitness, Flex magazine, and then whenever you kind of get out of that, you start realizing, well, man, a lot of that's for guys that are on anabolic steroids. I don't have access to this nutrition. I'm not going to build. A, there's not going to be a whole bunch of hypertrophy going on. I need to train for something else. You know, someone passed me the 531 Windler, and then I got in, started with that, and then I got into Mark Ripito's book, Starting Strength, you know, and then from there, the, his practical programming book was really good, taught me about stress recovery, adaptation, and I, I got a hold of the Jim Jones manual, which was really good. I guess that's like a Mark book that they use this for like military seminars or something. And then another book that I end up right now, he's uh, coaching me right now for my powerlifting competition was uh, called Power Building Basics by Josh Bryant out of Metroplex, uh, uh, Texas, Arlington, Texas. And that was a real good book because it was really applicable to my situation. It wasn't a lot of machines. It's really barbells, dumbbells, and body weight. So So let's talk a little bit. You you know, you go from doing calisthenics uh, for – for years it seems and 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 then you get sent somewhere that that has some weight so let's talk about that so yeah absolutely man awesome feeling <laughs> been waiting <laughs> on it awesome feeling loving it i'm like Promised land. yeah so uh, you know i go from 
you know, at one institution doing calisthenics, we did Ironman competitions, got up to running 30 miles a week. And then we, they put together these competitions with so many miles, so many pull-ups, so many push-ups and stuff to now I get to the iron. So by the time I get there, I think it was 2011, I got to FBC Pensacola and uh, they had an awesome weight pile. And, uh, when I get there, the majority of the inmates and guys, they're on this CrossFit kick. And that was not appealing to me because I'm thinking, man, I want to put on some size. I want to get back under the iron. I want to get back strong. So I immediately go back to old school bodybuilding, you know, like I got to get, I, especially I got, I met, I saw my brother there. He's looking jacked and huge. I'm like, man, look at this. I mean, I don't care what people say. You could do these bodyweight movements to, to death, but you're not going to send a signal to your body you know to get huge to grow so so what was the environment like there was it like were you a, a hugely influencing person there or was there somebody there who kind of influenced the rest of the people in a certain direction or was yeah. it just everybody kind of free for all man that's that brings up a pretty awesome story and I'll, I'll take you back to whenever i was at yazoo this is a pretty interesting story so um the the racial there's huge racial tension in federal prison i mean it's probably the most segregated thing you ever see in your life and i didn't grow up like that um but inside and this is more so in the higher institutions penitentiaries and how it works is classified you got penitentiaries then it comes down to mediums fcis then lows and camps well i started out at fci at a medium so in these places you've got guys there with life sentences um, in order to go to FCI, you have to have 10 years in clear conduct, but you can be there with a life sentence. When you come to a low, you can't have any more than 20 years. When you come to a camp, you can't have any more than 10 years. So I started out at FCI. Well, there was uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, there was these, this, this Muslim guy, and he led this uh, on the blacktop. He'd have like 40, 50 guys on, on the, doing these burpees, and they use like a you-go-I-go format, and they sit out there and do 500 of them. Well, lo and behold, they used to see me work out and uh, inside prison, you don't work out with anybody outside of your race. Like that's supposedly like you don't work out with somebody outside of your race and you don't eat with somebody outside of your race. This is in the higher institutions, not in lows and camps. And I just didn't grow up like that. I had a Mexican friend that was at Yazoo and uh, man, me and him worked out together. And when it came to working out, I didn't care what race you are. I wanted the best guy for the job. Like, I, I don't care anything with skin color. When it comes to that hour, that hour and a half, I want whoever's going to go hard. Black, Puerto Rican, Asian, pink, I don't care what you are. I want a training partner. You know, I don't yeah. want somebody who's going to complain. Well, I had a couple of these Mexican guys we used to work out, and we would do our own thing. Well, one day, we were walking by, and uh, the Muslim dude, they'd set up their towels to do these burpees. They'd set up their towels. And that's like 40 of them. And he sees me looking at him. I ain't gonna lie. I saw him do it. I was like, man, I wonder if I could do that. I want to hop in with those dudes. And uh, he said, y'all want to get in with us? Y'all want to get in? It, like, it was like he was like calling me out. Like, like I wasn't gonna. It's like, yeah, let's go, you know? And uh, from that day forward, like nobody ever did that. Like, that's something you just don't do. A white guy work. Are you kidding me? You're training with the enemy? Like, that's how they look at it in the feds. And then from that day, just broke down that barrier. Like, white guys started coming to train, Spanish guys started training. And it really just took the compound and kind of people was like, all right, it's cool. Like, I took that leap, that step, and everybody started doing it. So that was kind of a cool little story about how awesome. that kind of helped influence people. But getting back to going, getting to the weight pile, getting into the iron. So I went back to the bodybuilding and did that for like a year. And 
they were getting huge on this CrossFit. Everybody was just started putting on CrossFit competitions. And one of my good friends, we all went out to eat Jerry. I don't know if you remember the bond. Yeah. He kind of convinced, he was like, man, why don't you hop in with us, do it? I said, all right, man, let's go, you know. I'll get in here and do it. So we were running a Windler 531 and uh, getting into what they call the wad, doing the wads. And I did that experiment for like a year. And I love the conditioning part of it, but there were certain things that I was like, I didn't like about it. I think I was telling you earlier, one was I'd always had posture problems. And whenever I originally got back to lifting, my posture got fixed from the deadlifts and doing rows. I started standing up taller. Well, whenever I started doing CrossFit again, wasn't really doing any accessory work. And I remember a guy telling me, he said, man, you're back to walking that way. You know, you know, slumped over like that. And I used to tell my buddy, meanwhile, whenever I, all these times I did these training models, like with the body weight, the PX90 and stuff, I never was like that guy who was like, thought I knew it all or never was that guy who was like, Oh man, this is the end all be all. I just thought, well, why don't we add this in to do this? Why don't we do this instead of so like whenever we were doing the CrossFit, I was like, man, instead of just doing deadlifts and then going into this this water, why don't we do accessory work and then why don't we try to make the conditioning kind of line up with some of the adaptations of the overload strength and accessory work and try to line it up in some way. So I kept playing with that. And that's what I kind of went on to after I got away from training with him. We did the CrossFit competition, I think in 2012 or 13. And then we did another strength and conditioning competition where it was a little bit different. It was one rep max front squat, bench press, deadlift. And then it was three condition events. One was a mile time. One was seven minute max burpees. And one was the traditional household CrossFit Fran workout. So we just called it a strength and conditioning competition. So I went on to that, and, and, and then I really just got into the, the, the M3 concept, which what I utilize on the group members now as far as w- what we do now as far as just a little bit of strength work, some accessory work, and some conditioning work. And we try to – basically what we try to do is just close out the workout with some condition, whole body high glycolic conditioning, something that makes them feel like they worked out, but – also not try to do things that are going to interfere with tomorrow's squat workout. So I'm not going to have you doing squat thrusters if you're going to squat tomorrow. But maybe we do burpees. That's not going to break down tissue in your legs. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, and for our listeners out there, I I know you guys can't see this, but I have JP's training model in front of me. And basically what it says here is the M3 goal is to train a variety of energy systems and movements with an emphasis on isolated muscles and coordinated muscle groups that are advantageous to hypertrophy while simultaneously creating a level of of athleticism. And so what I get out of this is, you know, you're trying to, it sounds to me like you're trying to achieve a level of, you know, athleticism where you're focusing on conditioning and general strength, but still maintaining that physique where you look good. Exactly. And that's what I think most people just want. Yeah, for sure. Everybody's got something that oh man i want to work on this everybody like people got self-conscious they're oh, they want to make i mean i hear it all the time from guys wanting their chest bigger the arms or certain women wanting to work on certain things and then at the same time they want to go push a sled or flip a tire do some farmers carries do something but they could care less about going to the crossfit games they could care less about that and they could care less about stepping on a bodybuilding stage i, I feel like that's what the most people just want yeah, and I, I don't think you have to follow these training models with the intent of competing in them. Right. You know, for most people, they just want they just enjoy that training. They want to look good. 
And yeah. They want, you know, that whole bigger, faster, stronger mentality. Yeah. And I think that's a good mentality to have, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think like like I, I kind of set up the diet and I planted us in the middle and I, you know, I, on the appearance side of the spectrum, the performance, I put us in the middle. And I think you can maneuver this like, hey, individually, we can move this over to somebody who wants to be more on the appearance side or somebody who wants to be on the performance. But I think the moment you come all the way over to one side, you need to train that way. Like, I'm not here lying to you telling you you're going to win a powerlifting competition training this way. We all know that's not going to happen. You need to powerlift. You need to train in that energy system. Or if you want to step on the bodybuilding stage, you need to train that way. But if you want a little bit of best of both worlds, then this is awesome. Our group training is a, a shotgun evidence-based approach that's why i say it's it's we all know individualized program is the best everybody knows that i mean but in the business of fitness what i'm in and i'm somebody who feeds their family off of this it's just not realistic for a lot of people they barely can make it to the gym three days a week and a lot of these people mike sees it all the time they can't even hold up coming in 8 a.m Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So the group, if you have five classes a day and you say, hey, here's this app, you're, you can come to any class a day you want. You don't have to call me and say you're missing. You don't have to message me. You've got an opportunity to come make it here five times a day. It just works well for them, you know? Yeah, definitely. So at what, at what point in your life did you decide that you were going to chase this goal of opening up a training facility with this, with this training model in mind? Man, that's a good question, man. I got to be honest with you. So I think, and I don't know, but I'm st- I, I don't know that I've came down from it. So when you're in prison, everybody, you're around guys who, who, who talk about what they're going to do when they get out. Everybody talks about what they're going to do. And it sounds like bullshit. Like, it's, when you listen to what they're saying, it's like, well, that's not realistic. What's something that I could do in prison that I could learn about and apply like, you got guys in there, they're trading fake stock. I mean, they're trading fake stock. But this was something I could learn about, and then I got all the inmates in the world to go try stuff out on. And it's a natural environment as well, too. So I so I knew from the get, I, I started looking at my life. I said, all right, well, what's a job I could go? I hadn't worked. I had owned an urban clothing store before I went to prison. I hadn't worked for somebody, anybody since I was, like, 22, and uh, I was like, man, what's a job I can go get from the halfway house that's going to put me around good people where I can meet people? And I thought, man, that doesn't sound too bad. Go get a job as a personal trainer. I could go try that and kind of go from there. And uh, I think just I, I'd never been like a product knowledge, like a technical guy, like Mike's a technical guy. But I think th- all that time I had to study I became a bit of a technical guy. You know, I learned, I was able to, if it wasn't for that time, I would never be that guy. But I just kept reading. It was just a way, I was like, I lived in a cocoon. It was a way for me to drown out what was going around me. Because all guys do is sit around and tell old stories. Half of them are lying. They're sitting around telling old stories. And I was just on some, how, how can I prepare to get out? You know, how can I prepare to get out? What can I do? What can I do? And this is something you could do. You could read, you could soak up all this knowledge in these books and you could... So I just kept going and kept diving in deeper. And, and the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know shit. Like, the more I continue to learn, the more I realized I don't know anything. And it just kept going and going. I got caught up. I said, man, I need to write this. My buddy was like, you got to put this on paper, you know, your training style. Because I was getting so many inmates. They loved it. They loved training this way. And uh, I was like, man, I just had all these concepts inside of my head. I was like, man, how do I? So I kind of, and it just kind of. Took off, man. Got out, and uh, I, I, you know, originally whenever I got out, I couldn't get a job, and uh, 
you know, I, I, I had a, I, I had a gym. They took a shot on me. I started out with a Windex bottle and immediately I started out with a Windex bottle, but I could, I had to clean, but there also, you could train too. And, uh, I started working there and immediately saw opportunity. The PT director there just wasn't that great. And I, they had no system in place on how to do consults. And I started just, I just hopped in there and started kind of manning the ship within seven days. They promoted me to being the PT director. And then I later went on to be the PT director of two gyms, commercial gyms, workout anytime in Fort Walton Beach and Destin. And I knew my brother was coming home in two months. So I maintained about, I got about 50 personal training clients. And uh, my boss at the time, they're like, man, how can you, they're like, are you sure you can maintain these clients while doing these consultations? And I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, yeah, I got this. But inside the back of my head, I was just trying to do the best thing for my brother. So he'd have clients. I could throw him all these clients. And then I would just do the job as the PT director. And that's basically what happened. And uh, kind of just uh, the, the cheerleading thing kind of took off. I was getting a whole bunch of cheerleaders. And, uh, I, you know, I became friends with the owner of Beach Elite Cheerleading, which is a big cheerleading gym off a racetrack in Fort Walton. And I... You know, I told her, I said, look, you increase your ability to apply force against the ground. It's going to increase your tumbling. You know, these certain movements, it's going to protect your shoulder girdle. You know, cheerleading is a dynamic sport. Have you ever seen those girls yeah. flying in the air like you think? But, I mean, those they're torquing their body and landing on their shoulders. And sure enough, she was like, man, her tumbling's getting better. So I started getting more cheerleaders, and they kept coming in. Meanwhile, I told myself, I said, I'm not going into business. I'm, I'm going to go work at a gym for 18 months, two years, and I'm going to go learn about the business side and make sure this is something I want to get into. And I kept seeing these cheerleaders coming there forking out more, more money. And then she kind of started talking to me. And I was like, hey, why don't I? We started talking about me putting a small strength and conditioning center inside of her cheerleading gym. And long story short, that's what happened. I ended up doing that. And it just kind of outgrew. I started in a small 400 square feet, outgrew that into a plaza. Oh, man, that was crazy. The plaza, they were going crazy on me. I got people doing flipping tires and farmers carries in the parking lot. And the plaza's like, what is this guy doing? And uh, my members just kept growing, and they led me to the deal with the city, and we got the old Fort Walton Beach Tennis Center, and it's just kind of taken off from there. Yeah, so for our local listeners, JP owns M3 Strength and Conditioning, which M3 stands for Modern Muscle Movement, and his training facility is here in Fort Walton Beach. It's a private facility, right? It's not an open gym. Right, yeah. And what we do that's kind of unique with our facility is uh, we have three options, basically. Um, we do personal individual training, of course, that's one option. One coach will work with you for an hour. Your program's individualized based on your weaknesses, whatever your goals are. So our other two options are the next ones, which is really unique and it's kind of our niche. It's called personal assistance training. And it's basically where the client agrees to work with the instructor, the coach, while he or she multitask up to three others. It's capped at four for about half the price of personal training. So the benefit someone gets to it, they can save a boatload of money. When it comes to training, the first thing I, I try to sit down with everybody and say is, listen, let's get something you could sustain for at least six months. I don't want you coming in here forking out a bunch of money month one and you can't afford it month two. Then we got nothing. If you can't stick with this for at least six months, it's not going to work. Yeah, you got to be able to. You got to be able to sustain this. So the personal. So tell me now up front. I'd rather talk to you about your finance up front. Instead of us getting them on two or three and you can't afford it. So the personal assistance training, 
it's still individualized, but you know you have to give something up. The client's giving up Mike knowing he's multitasking amongst two or three others. And it works so well because we're not an open gym. So everybody in our facility is under instruction, you know? And then we got the next, which is the cheapest, is our group training, which is basically we offer four classes a day, including Kristen's class. We got five classes a day. And you can unlimited come to a class for $160 a month. Military, we do a discount, $130 a month. So you've got five opportunities to come a day to a class. It's not individualized. But if you come four times a week, you're going to get some quality strength work, accessory work, and some conditioning work. You're going to touch on the barbell movements, upper body, lower body, everything, and and go from there. Yeah, so before this podcast, guys, Sam and I got put through the ringer. Uh, by JP and Mike on a typical uh, M3 group workout. And we pretty much just uh, got our upper bodies blasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's great, you know, to kind of get out of your comfort zone and experiment with different training methods because it, it really shines a light on maybe some of your deficiencies. You know, like me and Tyler, we train very sim- very similar methods, but even doing that training method that you put us through, that workout you put us through, definitely, you know, showed where maybe some of our weakness weaknesses might be and where maybe we should focus some of our accessory work on. Absolutely. Vice versa. I come over there to your facility, I'm going to be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> but but another another great thing about that, and like you mentioned, you guys host those, those group classes, like we talked about in one of our previous podcasts, atmosphere is everything. And training with a group is always great to help push each other. And at the end of, at the end of that workout that we did with JP, uh, myself, Tyler, and Mike, we went into the last the last uh, workout, which was the you go, I go round robin of push-ups. So we started with you know one push-up, Tyler did one push-up, Mike did one push-up, and then we went up to two, and we basically played knockout till one person could no longer yeah. do those push-ups. And that's great. You know, it definitely helps for you to push yourself to the. Oh yeah, absolutely. I get people all the time. That there's it's amazing how you, whenever I get people who come from that commercial gym setting and they're looking for that change man they're hooked they're like man like like man they just feel like training becomes reborn again to them they get that it has its ups and downs like it has it's grouped like i tell people i tell people this up front uh, you know is this program the best program for you group training i say no i said for me to tell you it was i'd be lying to you i said because it's not individualized it's not based on your weaknesses but it is extremely affordable okay it's convenient and we try to teach you how to scale it like i get some older people who come in i say hey listen some of these workouts a little bit too much volume i would not do this workout with you in a personal training setting listen don't come in here trying to kill yourself out of the gate day one you need to be in this gym at least three four times a week consistently so we try i feel like i'm i do the best i can to provide a service and make a living as far as and 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 try to remain rooted in number one thing, helping people. Yeah, for sure. And so over at M3, it says here your guys' foundation is built and maintained on five compound movements. Those movements are the standing press, the deadlift, the bench press, the squat, and the pull-up or chin-up. Right. So, so how, did you, how did you come to that, to those five movements being your foundation? Like what brought you to that point where you're like, you know, this is our focus? Those, uh, well... So those are what we call F5, our foundational five. And basically, those are the foundational movements. Um, They're not technical. 
you know, and as you can see now with the craze of CrossFit, of course, and you got a lot of people trying to teach Olympic lifting. I'm not going to try to teach something. I don't know how uh, that's something that I just, I'm not going to do, you know? And I just think that the majority of the population would do better to lay their foundation to learn how to properly squat, learn how to properly deadlift, get some, a base of strength, you know, and that's what we try to do with people. Our, our goal is to try to get you to a body weight standing press. I mean, this is just a great movement. It's a true movement we perform in everyday life, being able to stand up and push weight overhead, being able to put something over your head. We do this in everyday life. I don't know of a movement that's better for developing core strength. I mean, it is a plank standing done properly. Yeah. Um, bench breast, I mean, yeah, you could argue or not, but everybody loves to bench, man. I mean, you could argue whether or not if it's supposedly functional, but these movements, they attack a large group of muscle mass, um, they're very, you just don't see them perform properly. I mean, most of, come on, let's be honest. You go into most gyms, see people squat. They don't utilize a full range of motion. I'm big on range of motion. We're a range of motion gym overload. The law is learn, then load. So they tack a large group of muscle mass. I like the pull up, uh, you know, pull up the body weight movements, one, because it keeps body fat in check. You know, one, I got stronger on my bench press, but did my pull up numbers come down? We know we can get, we know the bench and squat, you know, they're big boy movements. We can get strong at them by putting on some belly fat, but we, we can counteract that. I always say, people ask me, well, do you guys check body fat? I say, yeah, the pull up bar, the dip bar, you know, all the time I tell people that. It, you know, my bench press went up, but did my pull-up numbers come down? Crap, because I know whenever I put on five pounds of belly fat, I get onto that bench press. It helps me majorly, so. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's something that I've heard a lot of times with, you know, some of the bigger guys. They're like, well, yeah, you can do 30 pull-ups, but you're a buck 60. But, you know, when we start talking about that relative strength, yeah, you know, it, it, it speaks for itself. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's something I'm very big on. I always say like one of the events in our competition, I, it's called carry your own engine. And it's the, basically it's that simple. Carry your own engine. You're going to load up these farmers bars with your body weight and carry it for max distance. And it's the same thing with pull ups and dips. These are movements that we all should be able to do. So I don't knock, like, I don't knock what anybody does, but I don't want that. Like, I don't want to just be strong bench squat dead. Like, that's not what I want. I want to be able to do pull-ups. I want to be able to do dips. And that's one of the things I liked about, you know, bringing Mike out on, on the team is he kind of, he's an example of that relative strength, yeah. strength concept as far as as lean as he is and as strong as he is. So, um, so just going over your papers and, and looking at your model in place, um, I think uh, – as far as strength and functionality, a, a big thing that kind of separates you from like what a CrossFit gym is, is that your program does target chasing the muscle and how important chasing muscle mass actually is. In, in a previous podcast we just did, um, our two female um, hosts talked about how they gained great physique by, you know, always chasing muscle, not necessarily like trying to get skinny and be, you know, the best person at conditioning. I mean, if, if your mindset is chasing the muscle, I think you're in the right. So like, how would you say, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit in, in length here as we go over the science, but like the, the general, you know, split the difference, how you're different than a CrossFit gym, even though you have 
CrossFit wads and conditioning embedded in your program? Sure. Um, Yeah, that's the first thing I'll say is people look at our program, look at our videos, and I tell people all the time, you know, we're we are a little bit similar in certain things that we do in CrossFit, like uh, certain things we do do burpees. You know, there's a few things that we are so, but we are extremely different in other things. And you know, to the muscle point is basically we focus on a lot on eccentrics. Um, that's something we're really big on. We focus on the eccentric. So what we do is I say it's like a dense volume dose. We might not go to the extent of spending 60 minutes training like a bodybuilder, one body part. But when we do it, we try to focus on the techniques as far as maximizing the time under tension, the eccentric phase, doing things the right way. And, and, and not for nothing, training the muscle and not so much people, people think, oh, man, I'm not trying to get so big building this muscle. But more so what it does for your metabolism like that's something that people are missing the bus on people who want to lose body fat and and get shredded what that does for your metabolism we can't account for that caloric expenditure expenditure through the recovery process and i see it every day i got these women inside my classes and they're wearing the um is it called a fitbit or something where they track the caloric they try, the only thing they're tracking the caloric burn, I, I try to tell them they have no clue. Well, listen, if you focus on this accessory work, and I always explain to them what they're doing in the class, focus on this accessory work. Don't just, this isn't conditioning right now. We're not trying to breathe heavy. Focus on taking this muscle where it's supposed to be to build muscle. Then you can't account for that caloric expenditure. And, and that's like the best way for permanent fat loss. Like I'm, That's why I want to walk around with a certain amount of muscle mass. Why? I don't care about being a bodybuilder, but I don't want to live eating 2,800 calories a day. I like to eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to eat Mexican once a week. I'm going to eat sushi once a week. I I want to eat. Like it's, I, And I even talk about it in here. I'm a food lover. I'm a food lover, man. And I, I, I that's why I see these things, man, with people. And I hope to get the word out there. But I teach people more for lifestyle, not for people who people out there now trying to lose weight. They get this watered-down bodybuilding diet plan where it just says – Eight meals, uh, what's it always say? Brown rice, sweet potato, this. And it has no caloric intake for the level of activity. And it's just this watered down thing. I'm going to teach you. I'm, I specialize in helping people get to a basic body fat, not getting people stage ready, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and so for our listeners, we keep referencing we keep referencing this literature, and the literature is called Arrested Development by John McHale. Is this published anywhere? So if anybody wants to read it. No, it's not. It's something I wrote. I'd probably say like 70% uh, 70% done. I'm going to go back in. I hope to tell the story. At, over, at, you know, this was written while I was in prison. And uh, it's basically just the science behind, behind it. But I hope to kind of put it with maybe my book one day on my whole entire story, something like that. I'm waiting on Mike to go over it and kind of weed out anything that needs to go. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I got to be careful. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I get in trouble around Mike, you know, everybody else. I know everything. I get around Mike. I got to watch myself. (laughs) So so actually, uh, we're, we're actually going to talk to Mike a little bit. We're going to, since we were talking about just this pursuit of muscle and how important that is, and in pretty much, I think, every podcast we've done, we've brought up this word hypertrophy. We talk about it all the time. We've talked about hypertrophy in a sense of a barbell sport, how an athlete goes into a hypertrophy phase of training that hopes to potentiate strength down the road. Um, we've talked about hypertrophy in, in the sense of I am training to build muscle mass and the importance of that. So 
Mike is our our guru here. So, what would you say your definition of hypertrophy is? Well, Tyler, I think you already explained it within that explanation. But I mean, in layman's term, it just means basically in my in my way of describing it, just growth, and more specifically, you know, the growth of the musculoskeletal system. Yeah, and we get questions, JP. I'm sure you get questions like this all the time. Um, there is some research out there, but uh, of course, everything in the fitness world is completely relative. Um, what, what would you say like the best number of sets and reps for, for, you know, trying to, to get large and not only trying, trying to put on some muscle mass, but just to maintain that how many sets a week? Well, it, it definitely depends. And there's many factors that play a part in it. And, you know, of course, Genetics is probably the, one of the biggest things. I mean, all four, you know, four of us in this room all adapt differently to certain types of volume. I mean, Tyler, you coming from a, you know, you and Sam coming from a weightlifting background, JP more of the power building side, and me specifically more powerlifting. So we all, in order for us to improve upon it within our sports or within our realms, we all have to abide by certain volume parameters in order to improve without necessarily running ourselves into the ground or doing so little that we don't see progress at all. And a lot of this is based off of Renaissance periodizations, you know, new books as well as the information that they provide. But one of the biggest takeaways is the maximum recoverable volume, MRV specifically. And what that basically means is it's the maximum amount of volume one can particularly recover from and still provide a progressive overload, microcycle to microcycle. So what Mike's saying is there is scientific evidence that backs up how much volume you should be doing. Too much, uh, especially in the military population, we have this mindset of I need to crush the muscle, I need to completely punish the son of a bitch so I can make it grow. And, and, and what we see is that you, 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 you push it so much that that rebound effect literally becomes so large that you know the next day, maybe even 48 hours, you're not even recovered enough in that muscle to, to start exercising it again if you want that cellular growth. Exactly. And, I mean, like I was saying before, I mean, it's it's an extensive list, but, I mean, a lot of them hit each other indirectly, but a lot of it, like I said before, comes down to genetics. You know, we all have these different set parameters. The next one is mostly, you know, muscle, fi- muscle fiber type. You know, there's individuals that have certain amount of fast twitch to slow twitch ratios usually the individuals that are more you know fast twitch or more of your bigger guys or bigger females that tend to respond to training rather quickly you know they just develop a lot of dense muscle tissue and they tend to be more of your explosive athletes if you see them in more track and field type sports football you know mostly all your explosive sports if all of them um and that does play a part in the amount of volumes one can produce. Like individuals that have more fast twitch muscle fibers tend to beat themselves up a little bit more aggressively just because, you know, fast twitch muscle fibers, they have an explosive attributes, but with that comes a lot of fatigue behind it because it, compared to individuals that are more slow twitch, more endurance based, they can withstand a lot of volumes. And a lot of that, like I said, can be a part of, you know, muscle fiber type. Even it comes down to, you know, skeletal architecture, like, muscle attachments, tendon attachments, you know, individuals that are shorter, you know, compared to individuals that are taller are on, are going, are undergoing a lot of different stresses that they have to be a part of. Like somebody being six, five going through a squat is going much lower or longer 
in their movement compared to who, somebody who's like doing five a lot four. more work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so all that needs to be taken into account when if you're developing your own training program or at least you know supervising another individual or athlete's can that be, program. Can that be taken into account in a powerlifting competition when I got to go against, go against these smaller guys when they squat? That's a, I mean, honestly, you know, my wife <laughs> always, wish. she's always, she's always complained to me about like, oh, I wish they went by height as well as, you know, weight classes. <laughs> I'm getting beaten out by these guys that are 181, but they're like 5'4", five, 5'8". Five, Work eight. is force times distance divided by time. <laughs> and that's what, I mean, JP's right, you know, volume is equated by, you know, weight times set times rep times distance basically so that needs to be taken into account you know longer range of motion it's more stress to the body compared to a shorter range of motion that's why somebody doing floor press can do a hell of a lot more reps and volume compared to somebody doing you know incline bench pressing yeah that's an awesome point man so reading reading that book that that just came out what's what's the name of the book it is uh how much volume uh, i mean i i I've jumped right into it, but it's basically, you know, Mike Ozzatola and James Hoffman's book. It's how much volume, uh, and it's, I can't, I'm kind of stooped on it. Let me look it up real quick. Have you got into yet what, what he's talking about? How, how many sets is a good to maintain muscle, Mike? Have you got that far yet? Not specifically that far, but there are a lot of, um, it's how much, how much should I train? I think it depends on the muscle group too, because you have to create specificity does. for different muscle groups. Because, like you said, you're going to have a different exactly max like, recoverable volume for you know, like most people have figured out by now, they can train their arms a lot more often than they can train their legs because it recovers faster. Yes. And even specifically, questionable. And like you, and like I mean, like Sam was saying, it's exactly. It even comes down to even exercises being used. You know, barbells are going to be more you know, fatiguing to the body than dumbbells, dumbbells over machines. That's why you can see individuals just bang out, bang out. A lot of bodybuilders who change, who tend to take the, the machine routes that can do a hell of a lot of volume. But if I were to say, Hey, um, I can do six sets of squats. That doesn't necessarily mean like, Oh, I should then do six sets of lunges then because it's completely different movement, even though it is attacking that muscle, uh, the same way as a squat, it's a completely different movement that could attain its own uh, volume parameters. I agree. I think a perfect example is the exercise. One of the exercises you guys did earlier, I had you guys doing the hex bar seal row. Let's say that volume in comparison <laughs> to like a barbell row, though. Just exactly. Take example, no, no, exactly. The stress from a barbell row on your torso mm -hmm. rather than the seal row is nice. You got, I mean, it almost actually feels good on your lower back just to yeah. kind of be laid on the bench yeah. like that. And you're not stressing your torso. There's no force against yeah. the ground with your feet against the ground. So, and, and a lot of that, need, that's why it definitely comes down to you know really dissecting and analyzing your own programs to make sure how is each movement indirectly or directly affecting all the other movements from day to day week to week even mesocycle to mesocycle true and we'll talk a little bit about the practical pra whoa the practicality <laughs> of that um uh with operators so now we'll kind of spit it to sam and and i kind of always preach with with my programs that I give for my operators, the importance of hypertrophy for an operator uh, in that is you need that muscle for sustainability, durability, you know, in the workplace, aka downrange. Um, I am good friends with, with a gym owner back home in Westminster, Maryland. So shout out to Westminster Strength and Conditioning. Um, this guy, Bo, uh, he runs a gym. He's a ex-Special uh, Forces Army, I believe. Um, and 
he he he's definitely a, a powerlifting guy. And I remember sitting down once once I knew I was gonna kind of undertake this job with the special uh, special ops community, and he told him told me he was just like, look, you're gonna have to chase muscle with these guys. Uh, putting muscle on them is gonna be of the utmost importance. Um, because he, he gave me this analogy and I'll never forget it. He'll say, all right, and, and this is a large dude. I mean, pretty much everyone's a large dude compared to me, mm-hmm. but, uh, we're in the room and he goes, all right, Tyler, me and you are fighting, uh, in Afghanistan. We're both in this room an RPG comes and hits this building and there's shrapnel and shit flying everywhere. You're probably going to die and I'll live. And I was like, well, shit, I can't argue that. So, uh, from that point, I, I always knew that. You know, guys get into different phases in my programs, but I do like to to kind of chase the pump, if you will, or you know, always have some type of accessory where where we try to get that muscle building um, compound effect going for the guys. So Sam, yeah, you know, in my experience, what I've seen, you know, going through the pipeline, we kind of butted heads with we had two different types of of training groups we had the guys who like to run a lot and they kind of followed that training mentality and the guys who like to lift heavy weight and the argument was always that the guys who were focused on lifting heavy weights wouldn't be functional uh but we kind of fought me and my friend ben we kind of followed this training mentality where you know we followed a a competition style bodybuilding program where you're doing very low rest intervals everything's supersets and trisets and through that we basically conditioned our bodies because we didn't have any rest between sets so you know our heart rate was high we're breathing heavy burning a lot of calories and and we were also increasing our level of our ability to deal with lactic acid you know so deal with that burn in your muscles and that just set us up for success with with our conditioning when it came to more applicable movements like dragging a body in a sled or moving a body across a field you know because we were building muscle chasing that hypertrophy like we're talking about we were able to move large amounts of weight and we were already conditioned because of the training style that we were following whereas some of these runners you know all they were doing was building their conditioning but they didn't have the strength to go along with it so when they faced that environment it was kind of hard on them because you know, they, they couldn't move that weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. But like you're saying, like I, I've never really been able to put on weight very easily. Although I've always trained with this hypertrophy mentality. Like I want to be bigger. I want to be larger, but yeah, I can, I can definitely see where that's applicable. You know, if you, if you walk into a building and there's an explosion and this shrapnel flies at you and you only have a little bit of body mass. Yeah. You're, pro- you're probably going to die cause it's going to penetrate right through you. But I think the most important thing is just being able to be functional and be strong because a lot of times that's what it comes down to, being able to move weight, move weight fast, and for your body to be able to recover from that lactic acid buildup so you can continue to do that over and over for long periods of time. So, you know, if you have a big infill movement where you're moving up, you know, varied terrain, building up lactic acid in your, in your quads and your calves and your hamstrings, you don't want to be cramping up, you know. You want to be able to deal with that and continue to move so that once you get onto the objective, you're still functional. Mm. Super important. Um, so we're going to kind of swing it back to JP and Mike and just kind of talk about 
their current programming and, and what does that look like kind of for themselves and how inside their own program, whether they're, they're peaking for something or competing in something, how, how they still are chasing hypertrophy. Uh, myself, personally right now, I've been training for a powerlifting competition. It's my first meet, and it's Saturday. So I've been, uh, for the last, I think, about 16 weeks, I've been doing uh, Jailhouse Strong, uh, Josh Bryant's programming. He's been programming me. So in that, it's been, of course, you know, we started out a, a work capacity uh, block in the beginning, which was more uh, – hypertrophy work and then went into more of a strength phase and right now i'm just finished the peak phase and i'm deloading right now and i feel like a fat ass <laughs> i'm supposed to rest up but i'm resting up right now and i got two little workouts to do this week and that's it man but uh yeah usually i mean usually myself uh myself personally if you ask me you know i've always liked you know for hypertrophy back to what we were talking about earlier myself i found I like 16 sets in that area, but when I say 16, it could it could only be 12, could be a little bit more. I, I have to look at the intensity of those sets. Some days I'm just not having a good day. I can't connect with the muscles. So, you know, I think that's something that's big for me, but I've always liked, you know, like back a good quality 16 sets, good quality repetition. I'm big on quality. So when I hear people talk about how much volume, it's like, man, well, I got to be honest, I got to see you do it to to know if the and to, I got to see it because I even have we see it all the time people inside the gym they're running through these workouts and I'm like you know the squats are half ass it's a difference between a squat and a squat yeah. you know it's just a difference in, in in certain things so it's I a lot of times I got to see it but yeah I myself like I like the I like the big lift I like a big barbell movement something that attacks a, a large group of muscle mass and that, during that big lift I like to take some rest in between each set and really focus on getting stronger and what I've learned from my coach now is manipulating that rest period especially in that beginning that work capacity block manipulating that rest period and then eventually kind of bringing the rest periods down to see yourself getting stronger but then I like to go in retire the bar go into accessory work and uh you know speed up the rest period i like to say chart chase that sarcoplasmic pump you know and kind of speed up manipulate those rest periods that's for myself personally mike well my uh my training right now since i pushed my attempts for a meet to next year specifically in march so i'm basically just finishing out this block right now which i'm in a strength block um, just focusing more specifically on my, you know, specific lifts of my competition, which is low bar squat, you know, my normal competition grip bench press, and then my normal, you know, competitive deadlift, which is the sumo. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of develop my programs in a more physic structure. I go through a hypertrophy phase, leading into strength blocks and then peaking blocks. Um, I don't necessarily peak too often just because for me specifically I like to get all my numbers set on a platform rather than in training because what's the point of hitting my numbers in training if I can't hit them on the platform so I tend to stick more sub not me you'll catch me on videos on Instagram <laughs> non stop <laughs> not me you can have all that VR city baby M3 strength and conditioning <laughs> shirts off and all <laughs> no back to Mike <laughs> uh, but yeah um, aside from that yeah I, I tend to stick it more sub maximum you know in order to keep my fatigue down 
since through all this, you know, information coming out with all the MRVs, the MAVs and the MEVs, you know, with when it comes to volume, I've been taking it more of an experimental approach to figure out my own, you know, volume parameters through each specific structure of training through a hypertrophy phase, how much volume can I necessarily push to improve performance and improve my ability, you know, specifically in hypertrophy block to build muscle. And then I do the same for strength. And then I, if, if it comes to it, I'll, I do the same for peaking. Um, cause each one of those blocks attain their own different volumes because of the, the intensity plays a part with it, within that volume. Um, so like I said, yeah, different phases, um, <laughs> different phases of training. And then it's, I basically, even within different phases, I'm always training hypertrophy, specifically in strength. I'm still keeping certain accessory movements within, you know, 10 to 12 reps or eight to 10 reps, just basically for me and my own purpose, it helps me feel more resilient going into heavier weights. I don't feel as beat up since those muscles have the size to necessarily undergo the stresses that I'm applying to it. Um, I've realized if I don't train my back often with, you know, high reps, I feel like I tend to beat it up more within strength blocks, doing more low bar, you know, doing conventional in a strength block when I, before I move to sumo. So that tends to help. Um, but that's more of a general outlook of how my training is. It's mostly phasic structure from what I've learned from juggernaut, you know, through Renaissance periodization. And it's just a little bit of experimentation on myself. All right. So I'll talk a little bit about, uh, myself. So when I knew I was going to get the job, uh, with military personnel, I kind of took a look at myself in the mirror and I look like your typical weightlifter. I just not, not of the best aesthetics. Uh, I could jump super high, squat all the weight, snatch and clean and jerk for days. And I'm good at lifting, but I, I knew that I probably needed to kind of change my physique a little bit to not only, I mean, I like, if I knew I was going to do all this hypertrophy... To prove yourself. Yeah, to prove myself, but not, I'll put myself in, in in place of my programming. So, like, if I was going to program this hypertrophy finishers and stuff for the guys, I wanted to know, like, what that felt like so I could program it better. So, I, I think about a year ago is when I started to really study uh the outliers so bodybuilders uh, not only with their eating but just kind of the literature behind that i'd say my whole career has been performance and sport based so i would always kind of shun that information but now i find myself reading more of that than i ever have so uh hopefully my coach doesn't hear this over the airwaves but i i have for about a year i still have a back day I still have a chest day and I have an arm day on top of, you know, my weightlifting five days a week. So like my finishers for, you know, a day that I snatch, do some snatch pulls, hit some back squats, then I'll have a back day on top of that. And I try to keep it within a 20 minute window. So my rest periods are really, really low. Um, generally, weightlifters don't have much of a work capacity when it comes to high reps so I kind of enjoy that time period for me like like Sam said it kind of works as far as my conditioning as well and what I what I've, I've noticed I've, I've noticed you know incredible physique uh gains if you will over the past year I definitely look a lot different than I did two years ago but what what I've been able to find is you know you hear it a lot 
in, in a lot of the literature, this mind muscle connection. And I, and I thought it was kind of guru because like, I want the science, I want the science. So I want, you know, motor control evidence, you know, that kind of stuff. This, this mind muscle thing was kind of hocus pocus to me, but what I've been able to find out through all of my hypertrophy work over the past years is, you know, some of the asymmetries that I have in my body. And, and I think my hypertrophy work has been a way to assess, um, am I going to get injured soon? Where's the weak areas on my body? Like, how can I squat more? Like, what areas of my body? Can I get my upper back stronger so I can squat more high bar? So my hypertrophy work has kind of pushed you know, my barbell performance to the next level in the fact that there's areas that were weaknesses are now, are now my strengths and I'm constantly assessing myself in those hypertrophy finishing workouts. I have a, I have a question since I'll be interviewing you now. Yep. Do you ever find that you had to adjust your training protocols based upon your back days or chest days or was it more vice versa? Adjust these other days towards your more template that Max was giving you or your coach. Yeah, was so like I never adjust what my coach gives me. So like if I got put through the ringer and right now I'm doing a, a four week block of strengthening my pull, I have not been able to do a lot of you know, some some weeks I'm so beat up I'm like, yeah, I can't do a back day. So like maybe I'll just do like I said earlier to you guys, I'll do get get through thirty pull ups, hit two different bicep exercises and that was my back day because like I am trash in my posterior chain if if the the template is geared towards something else you know I can do my traditional like 16 sets like you were saying JP so you know I'm I'm a barbell athlete first and and I kind of work on I kind of work on my hypertrophy on on a day-to-day basis Uh, in the beginning I, I did have some templates and structure but now it's more has just morphed into, all right, I know, how, I know how I'm feeling right now. What's the best thing for me to chase these goals, but, but also to make me the best weightlifter possible? Tyler, so in the RP method, they talk about you know, minimum training volume to maintain certain muscle groups. Do you ever feel like you fall short in the way that you train your accessory work when it comes to like chest or arms or shoulders? Because there's a minimum amount of volume that you have to achieve per week to just maintain the strength that you have in those muscle groups. And then obviously, you know, you have to train more than that to grow. So do you ever feel like you fall short? Yeah. You know, I think I would answer that question a year or two ago as yes, I was falling short, but I went and actually sought out from your, from your wife's help. I sought out a massage therapist. So shout out to you, Eric, if you're listening. Um, and what I have learned about my own body is how much I use everything on the Olympic lifts. Like my triceps aren't really that big, but like when he gets into my triceps, (laughs) motherfucker, they hurt. Like, and and he'll tell me all the time. He's just like, okay, like you can't be doing tons of tricep isolated stuff because like every time you do a jerk, every time you snatch and lock that out, like your triceps stabilize. So like, just because of the demands of, of what I am and who I am, I'm a weightlifter. I'm confined to a weight class. Yeah, I probably can't grow my arms to look big. You know, wait till I'm 35, shout out, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but for now, it, it's kind of, you know, I'm doing these bicep curls to counteract my tricep tension for healthy shoulders and, 
and elbows in, in my jerk. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's exactly what a compound movement is. You know, it works multiple muscle groups. And I think that's where some people fall short is they go in with all these isolation exercises, such as curls and, you know, tricep extensions. And they kind of forget about those compound movements and the fact that they will also help grow those muscles. If you're a hard gainer like me, I feel like arm curls, you should be doing lots of them. But like, I know dudes that just adapt well to their training and just from back exercises alone, like their biceps blow up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Tyler, like with what you're discussing with mind muscle connection, do you find if you do too much of specific areas of your body? So, you know, for example, your bicep curls, would that create too much like for you, for instance, like doing arm bending with your lifts? Yeah, so my initial theory was was absolutely that. I was like, if I'm doing all these pull-ups and all these arm curls and all this back work rows, I'm going to start arm bending a lot like during my snatch pulls, my clean pulls. And like I had told myself that for seven years because like that's what everyone in the community says. But then I, I got hurt, I was injured, and for six weeks straight I trained like a bodybuilder and then went back to weightlifting uh, once my injuries were gone and and the technique was fine and then I started trickling my bodybuilding back into the equation and noticed that it, it didn't really have an effect and uh, if you watch some of the best teams in the world especially the Chinese that are just ripped and jacked and they bodybuild all the time like you can truly train your mind as in all right this is my bodybuilding time where I'm gonna bend my elbow and I'm gonna force that flexion and when you're in the weightlifting mindset like I, I don't think there is much as much crossover as you would think, but but that's just my personal uh, experience. Sam, now I'll be asking the question to you. Do you do the? Is there anything that Tyler programs that you're like, you know what? I want to do a little bit more of this on my own. Like, hey, you know, oh my God. if uh, if he doesn't know <laughs> what doesn't he what what makes him not know, don't care. But um, like Sam's you know, with special <laughs> with you know with Tyler doing more of you know bodybuilding on particular off days to allow him to be you know make him feel better, more resilient. Is there any types of days that you include that you're like, oh, I need more of this to help me with this particular stuff that Tyler's programming for me? Yeah, definitely. So, like, Tyler... All the days. Tyler knows <laughs> when he programs my workouts, he'll put in the accessory work at the end knowing that probably I'm not going to do it. Because for me, I feel like by the time I get to those accessory movements, I'm already so fatigued, I don't put in the effort that I want to. So I'd rather do, let's say, a two-a-day where I'm focused more on bodybuilding and those accessory movements and those isolation exercises. And I think, I mean, it's, to me, it's kind of hard to argue with myself. Maybe I'm just stubborn, but I feel like if my upper body, if my arms, my chest are stronger, I don't, I don't see a reason why that wouldn't benefit me when it comes to my Olympic lifters, my Olympic lifts to have overall strength. And like we talked about earlier, I just, you know, I want, to be aesthetically pleasing to yeah, <laughs> to myself, not necessarily other and people. And the thing but. is, like, like you started in the pipeline doing, you know, bodybuild. Like, it's just something you personally enjoy. Yeah, mm -hmm. for so sure. Like, take that time to bodybuild because you personally enjoy it. Yeah, and, and don't let it be this monotonous. Oh, I got to do my accessory right, work now. Right. Like, I just finished doing all my fun shit. Now I got to do accessory. Yeah, but like I said, like I, for me personally, I'd rather do that accessory work separate from my main. 
the Olympic movements just because I feel like I get more out of it. I, I'm a little bit replenished by the time I go into the gym for the second time. Mm-hmm. I've eaten, I've hydrated again, and I can get more out of it. Yeah, so do you, do you ever feel like certain things, because of the fact that you're doing a little bit more Olympic lifting, is there things that need to be taken a step back even though, you know, even though you don't see yourself more as an Olympic lifter than you do an operator? Is there things that you're like, hey, let me do less of this type of Olympic lifting movement in order for this to be taken more of a priority because it's going to help me more in the field or during duty or something like that? No, I, I honestly haven't encountered anything like that. I feel, for me personally, like I, I've always had a pretty decent, my body's always been pre- pretty decently conditioned, even though I don't really focus on conditioning. And maybe that's just like we talked about, like individual needs. Like I don't need to run every day and do, you know, 500 burpees to condition myself. I just kind of have that natu- nat- natural conditioning. And once I see my my conditioning start to deteriorate, maybe I'll start to focus on that a little bit more. But at least for now, I don't feel like I have to. Okay. My interview is over. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> JP is, is actually my last question I have before we get into kind of the business side of things. Okay. Um, what do you think the major uh, pit, pitfalls you see people do that prevent them from getting the gains they want? Mm, that's a good question. And, and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, your own clients, people in your gym, just in general. Like, do you think there's any messages out there that people that are getting swayed in a wrong direction or if you think it's kind of a man definitely that personal I mean, discipline type things or i i mean i mean most people they don't stay the path of something long enough to see yeah. the end result and i i've been guilty of it myself in the past right. you know you start this program and then just because it's apparently boring after six weeks yeah. you're like man i gotta go on to something else so that's something where it just depends, like, it depends where I'm at. And, like, like, for example, before I started training for this powerlifting, before, for me, I was just training for my mindset. And I think sometimes we forget that. Like, what is this person training for? So most of the people, a lot of people who come to my gym, they're training for their mindset. It's to start their day. They want to feel good about themselves, go start the week off right to go work, provide for their family, and feel good. But absolutely, I mean, most people... I. Every, all the time in our facility, they're training for too many different things instead of, you know, specifically training for one thing, and and that's what it is. It, you guys know. I mean, the 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 program I've been doing, it's simple. It's straightforward. I haven't been doing any conditioning. It has been, you know, it's simply it's straightforward. This is, but you have you go through that path to see the end game on the platform, and this is what it's going to take to get me there. So, but yeah, everybody's definitely kind of all over the place and all different energy systems and that's not to knock like our group training program because we it is a concurrent training program but again like i say this is for just the general fitness enthusiast who wants some a, a general level of fitness some good physique work and and a little and i would say an honorable level of conditioning but that's why you like you said previous is that you know you need that six months like when you come into the gym like we we see it as where we really are a quick fix society where you know we can have anything we want with the click of a button on our phones that are right right next to us so like in training especially I, I do see that people can have the best program with the best advice and just just the patience yeah just the patience just is, isn't there I, I yeah absolutely I've caught myself all the time when people ask me well what's the best thing for this 
And I'm sitting there getting, well, this is what you need. You need a, this full body push, full squat. And I'll ask Mike, what do you think? Mike's like, just consistency. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like that simple and that answer. And it's just so true. Like, let's get something you could just be consistent with. What is something that you can maintain? Because if you can't maintain it, it's not going to work. And even for, just for a, from a lifestyle, we all know what comes fast and life's going to leave quick. If it comes quick, it's going to leave quick. What is something that you can maintain? That's my biggest thing with people. Yeah, definitely. For sure. That's something that we talk about a lot is, you know, how do you build strength that you can maintain in the long run? Same thing with nutrition. You know, how do you create an applicable diet to the work that you're doing that's not overly, you know, absolutely time-centric and it doesn't overload you with this work capacity where it's not not practical to be doing it every day. Yeah, let's be realistic. That's why I tell people all the time, be realistic. Tell me the things you know for sure you're going to eat. You know, don't uh, let's not try to this whole I'm going to drop doing everything that I've been doing and going to here. It just doesn't work. That's why I usually tell people then when they we start talking about nutrition, I say, well, this is what you can do. Start with this. Take out all the liquid calories, you know, take out all the, the, the processed foods and take out all the white flour and sugars and sweets. Do that for me. Oh, well, I've been drinking soda. Okay, just do that first for the first month or two. Then come back and talk to me. Then if they've done that, then I'll say, hey. Let me see what three days in your life looks like. If they take the time to do that, then we can start going. But I found is there's just so much information out there that people are now just afraid to eat. And even uh, you hear all this talk about the glycemic index and you got people afraid to eat fruit. Like, come on, man. If, If you're not going over your caloric intake, it's not getting stored. So why are you worried about that? But, you know, it's just so much information out there and people are just confused. Is there anybody in the uh, lifting training world who's had a large influence on you? Oh, man, golly. Anybody in the lifting training world who's had a large influence on me? I won't be mad if you just say my name. I'll be fine. <laughs> well, definitely. I mean, Mike. Man, oh, I've, been, man. I've been following Mike Metz while he was in college. <laughs> anybody in the lifting and training world that's had a large influence on me? Golly, man. I mean, there's been a few people that have inspired me along the way in prison that have said things to me that helped me get to where I'm at now. Um, Golly, that's a good question. I have to think about that. It's so weird because I don't really fall in like, I can't say I'm a powerlifter. I've never done a, this would be my first powerlifting meet because my style is like a bit of, you know what I mean? I've borrowed from this person. I've I've learned from everybody. I'm not going to say I haven't. I've taken stuff from what I've liked from this person, from that person, but I mean, I would probably say, like, I, I, you know, not saying I agree with everything he is, does, but I, I like the, you know, practical programming taught me about stress recovery adaptation. And I like I, I get that concept. Um, I, I like Josh Bryant's uh, Jailhouse Strong, his power building concept with the merge. That's had a major impact. I mean, I love that concept of the merge of the power lifter and the bodybuilder. And, and, and uh, you know, Glassman's even his CrossFit manual that I read. I mean, there's some valuable information in that as well, too. There's a bunch of people. Mike's been Mike's helped me uh, tremendous. Mike's been I had all this stuff inside of my head, but Mike's been the technical guy to come in and kind of I say, man, this is what I want. I like this. I, I like this. I say this term all the time bodybuild the upper athleticize the lower you know i use that term and like i tell i got all this stuff inside my brain but mike can do it you know sometimes i don't know how to do it but i'm like mike this is what i need done he can do it so mike's influenced me golly man i'm sure there's a there's a bunch of other people and stuff i that jim jones manual taught me gave me a kind of a different um outlook on 
training for something outside of appearance being, you know, if your life dependent on your level of physical fitness, back to what you guys were talking about with the operators. One thing that I would just add to that as far as the hypertrophy is I would just say as long as every once in a while that new hypertrophy, they're training the heart's ability to oxidate that musculature as well. Yeah. Is is big because what if this big guy's? I mean, is it relative? If he's 240, 250, he gets shot in the field, and we got to carry his big ass off. Right, and that kind of goes into like that competition you were talking about, where you have that that uh, competition exercise, carry your own weight. Yeah, carry your own engine. It, or yeah. carry your own engine. Like yeah, that. it it holds application, but in our realm, at the same time, it doesn't because so say for instance, myself, I'm only a buck sixty. I'm I'm a smaller guy compared to most. And if I have to carry a 200-pound guy and all yeah. I'm focused on is carrying my own weight, like yeah. I'm probably and, not going to do so well. And you have a good eight, point. 80 pounds strapped to you just in your kit alone. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. You can wear a weighted vest when you come to the competition. Right? <laughs> 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 you got that. My whole thing is just being able to say, hey, you know, you know, yeah, you're big. You can pull barbells from the ground, but can you pull yourself off of a tree? Yeah. You know what I mean? Can you, there's more to strength than just pulling barbells from the ground. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Unless you're in your own sport. You know, of course, right, if you're right. in your sport, it is what it is. Hey, here I am right now. I'm doing a powerlifting competition. That's what it is. Yeah, but for mo- most of our guys, you know, their focus is not competition. And this is something that me and Tyler talk about a lot is, like, for example, when you train your bench press, are you training for competition or are you just training for, you know, your own personal fitness? And that kind of ties into training techniques where you see these powerlifters training with this, you know, highly arched back to try to create more more power output as opposed to motion as opposed to saving your you know saving your back a little bit like with those sill rows because that's not your focus is competing in that movement right yeah well most of us who are who are who are training the bench press who aren't training in competition are training for chesticles yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. everybody's chasing the pump but uh yeah there's a big difference and of course when it comes to that competition everybody knows the only thing that matters is that number and that the lift was successfully completed you could argue looking at some of those people whether they arch their back in the shorter range of motion but that's the sport you yeah know? definitely that's definitely true uh what's it like the day in the life of a gym owner like what's that grind like oh wow man that's wow oh man awesome question um so I read an article once, uh, probably it was, I think it was like a year or two ago. It's called don't quit your day job. So this is just advice I'd give to anybody out there. Um, when you're so, when you're so passionate about something and that's a lot of times guys get into something, what I do when you're passionate about something, it, it's a difference between when your family depends on you to feed them from your business and then rather than all right you've made a living off something else and this is something you just do for recreation so you can run your gym however you want to do it you could say this is my place i don't care you got to go or if you're in a position where your kids you know you you got to feed them it's a little bit different so that's where you need to get into learning about the business side of it and i tell people always now pay now or pay later you're going to pay for information one of the things that i've done is uh like i've sought people out that I saw own businesses kind of like mine or there's things I admired about them and I paid them for their time for a phone consultation to pick their brain to learn things and you know I've done a lot of things wrong uh, you know especially over the last and I've learned so much over the last year and a half about the business side but with that comes taken away from you know your passion because now you have to focus 
on the business side. And it's really a two-headed animal. That's why I'm grateful, you know, Mike's came along because now I'm able to focus on, on, on some of the business side of it. But uh, it's definitely a, uh, a two-headed animal. But it's, you know, you, you basically got, especially with our facility, it's always something. Group training, you got so many people you're trying to satisfy from the person who's next to elite, you know, or has a, a college looking at them for, you know, uh, for soccer or, you know, a military guy who wants that, what we were talking about earlier, just beat their brains in to an, a 60 year old realtor. So you've got so many people in this program and you're writing and you don't want anybody to get hurt, but you also going to be able to increase these people's level of fitness. And we all know with the more advanced we get trying to increase fitness, it, it, it's, it's a thin line between doing too much and not doing enough. And if we don't do enough, we don't increase fitness. If we do too much, we run the risk of injury. So that's a tough thing within itself there. Um, that, 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 that's, a, that's a very tough animal trying to satisfy so many people. But also at the same time, it's really rewarding in the community and the energy like what we were talking about earlier. Um, and then like the personal training side, that becomes a headache because people don't show up, you know, you want this for them, but you can't make them do it. You know, like sometimes we get too emotionally invested, like, man, I really want this for you, but we want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And there's nothing that we can do. It's like you're paying, but you're not going to let me execute what I do for a living because you don't show up, you know, and that's kind of, that's a tough part as well too. So it's a, it's a constant grind, man. But Sometimes I look around and I'm like, man, this is awesome. I love it. You know, I'm be in my own gym working out, being able to work out to my own music or like situations with right now I've got a, a, a four month old and you wouldn't be able to bring your own four month old into the gym. You know what I mean? Into a gym, you can't bring those kids while you're working out. And I can do that because I own the motherfucker. You, know <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me nothing. You know? so, there's stuff like that, man, that I'm like, you know, all in all, though, man, like I've got a lot more to work on. I'm going to a business seminar on large group uh large group programming community building uh not this coming weekend but the next weekend and i'm hoping to get a little bit inspired and and kind of get re-pumped up get re-motivated and go from there and then there's times the the hard part is when you kind of you're you catch yourself with people and you're always trying to satisfy everybody you're always trying to satisfy and you almost start compromising in your your morals and it gets to a point me and mike talk about this all the time where you just want to be like no this is it this is this is how we do things this is what we stand for and that's it that's what we're gonna and it's tough it's a tough line to balance because at the end you got bills you got overhead things too so that's why i would tell people is like man if you're thinking about i know there's a lot of guys out there they're extremely passionate about training go learn the business side of it go talk to some people who 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 are in it who are in it go in it not people who are making their money off of selling equipment or that have you know not like west side barbell who they're that's not like they don't make money from people charging people for training Go talk to people, find people who really do this and live this every single training, just average everyday people. Because I understand you're going to want to train elite athletes, but you're going to have to work up to that level. You're going to have to, you know, I th- I think JP does a really good job of like keeping himself rooted to his image of his of the, his gym, you know, like. You know, that's, you know, we blare music all the time. You know, we're joking around, we're cursing. And I think that helps bring the type of people that we want to train, our own set image. So, so to speak, like in the commercial gym, you 
you got to take what you're given because, you know, you don't have that, that environment where you were like, yo, I only train, you know, bodybuilders or I only train, you know, this individual because I mean, one, it's a commercial gym, you know, you don't have that, that isn't your business that you, you, you yourself or your own business that you have to take what you can get. But with underneath JP's roof, you know, we're getting the dedicated athlete. We're getting the dedicated individual that wants to make a change to their body. So it helps him, you know, stay rooted to hit what he wants to do without trying to manipulate, you know, oh, I got to, I got to, you know, turn myself to this individual or this type of person in order to get this type of client. Like, no, he stays rooted and, the, you know, the individuals just come to him. So I think he's done a really good job with that. Yeah, I, I think that's very important for all trainers out there. And I think that's something that most trainers chase is the ability to have client selection because that just, you know, it quantifies you as a trainer, if all you're about, all, all you're about is quantity and not the quality of the people that you're training, it's going to reflect on you as a personal trainer or as a strength coach, you know, yeah. and you need to be, I mean, like you said, if you have, you have mouths to feed and you have to keep a roof over your head, it's kind of hard to do that. But once you get to that point, that's an awesome, that's an awesome feeling to be able to, you know, only train the people who are truly invested in Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I hear guys all the time. Like some of the guys I follow, one of them, uh, uh, his name. I don't know if you guys ever heard. Of, he trains a lot of high school wrestlers. Named Zach Evanesh. All yeah. the guys ever, but he trains a lot of uh, just like high school wrestlers and stuff. Well, he. What's so funny? One why you laughing? I was the only oh. one that knew. Him. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, these guys are looking at me. Like, well, I you know can check him out. Yeah, Zach Evans. But he, you hear him all the time. Say, man, I can't wait till I no longer get to the point where I don't have to charge people to come to my gym. You know, at that point, then they can say, hey, this is how we do things. This is it. You got to go. Yeah. You know, kind of. And I, can, I, to an extent, I'm like, hey, this is what we stand for. This is what it is. But at the end of the day, it is a business, and I feel like. The beautiful, the good thing is, is I have a good understanding. I feel I have a good understanding on what people like want. Mike has an awesome understanding. Of people on what people want, rather than the biggest thing I've seen with trainers and coaches is the only thing they know how to do is what they themselves do personally. Whether if you're this Olympic lifter like you taught, they'll have you over here doing clean and jerks when you haven't even learned how to properly squat. Or if you're this conjugate guy, you're building regular women up to a one rep max. Like, come on, she doesn't need this. You know what I mean? She needs sets of eight, sets of tens, learning how to properly squat. So learning, knowing that, yeah, Mike's a power lifter, but listen, his his work goes way outside of that. And, you know, as far as he can train anybody and coach anybody on athlete, increasing their athletic performance. So that's huge within itself because I've ran into, I've hired on being a, coming in the commercial gym setting. And all, what does everybody know? how to do only thing they know how to or they think they know how to do is eight to 12 rep range you know typical 20 20 sets per body part and they take 60 year old nancy and they train one body part on her first day and all this musculature muscle mass needs to be moved through space and what most people just want to lose some body fat and build a little build a little muscle and so they go about training them the wrong way so i think i think we've all fallen in that trap because we all love the sport or whatever endeavor that you know we're so committed to and we want individuals to have that same feeling and I think that was one of the biggest things I had to you know swallow is that not everybody's a powerlifter not everybody's a bodybuilder or a weightlifter you know like JP said some people just want to lose weight or feel good getting out of bed and you know put it on their shoes so you know being able to adapt to the individuals that you're training I mean is a it's a big pill to swallow for a lot of people that love what we do on our own 
Yeah. You know, being a power lifter, being an Olympic lifter, or to, bodybuilder. To, to touch on that, I I just wanted to touch. That was one of the reasons why I think that helped me get through my time in in, in prison. And you know, I that's why I, I got a kind of a sick like emotion with this thing as far as just how I feel about like the way it makes me feel because when they take everything from you and all you have at the end of the day is that workout. You know, it's like, man, this this is for you. This is the one thing you got that makes you feel good. I mean, and I did. Yeah, I was the same way. And you just kind of triggered that whenever you said that. Man, I never forget the first time. My, I never forget my favorite PR ever was the first time I put two twenty five up standing strict press two twenty five, and in God federal damn. prison. <laughs> yeah, the, the, first time, the first time I ever did it. The first time, and then in federal prison, let me tell you something. The bench press is one of the hardest things to get because everybody wants to work bench. In in federal prison, you probably like I told this my I said you got elite benchers, novice squatters, and deadlifters. I mean that's what you got: elite benchers, novice squatters, and deadlifters. So that bench press, when they call that rec call, guys are running out there, and if the benches are taken, they're grabbing their dumbbells. I always liked that stand and press. That was one of my just being able to stand up. Well, that first time them guys are over there pumping out two twenty five, and I'm putting it up standing in combat boots. There was no better feeling in the world than that. But those PRs, those feelings, things that I got outside of just training for appearance, those feelings, I always felt like, man, I, the feeling I want to share that with other everyday people who feel like their lives are you. You have this for you at the end of the day. That's something that you just kind of thought about right there. That's I thought I'd share that with you. Just every day sharing that with people, man, getting the experience. Hey, look, this is something you can come to and get better at. But you're right. Not everybody's wired for this. Not everybody's wired for accessory. Uh, I got some people who come to my classes, man. You could go over it with them all day long on doing something. They're just going to continue. They just want to jump around. They just want oxygen in the brain. Those are the ones that are more altered for con- or wired for conditioning. That's what they want. So, How do you deal with some of the, you know, these different populations of people who to come who come to you. So you mentioned, you know, like maybe you have a six year old retired person who just wants to wake up every morning and feel okay. Do you push them towards a more like individualized one on one training session, or do you allow them to enter those group sessions? Absolutely. So anybody that comes into our facility, my number one goal is always individual training. Why? Because it's the best. I mean, we can look at your weaknesses. You know, if Mike, if so, we go work with you one on one, we can specifically put together a program for you. So it is always the best. But from a financial standpoint, for most people, it's just not affordable. Most people just can't afford fifty dollars, sixty dollars an hour. And in order for us to do it cheaper than that, you'd have to hire trainers that just don't know really what they're doing. You'd have to get, you know, a, a lower caliber a trainer. So I always try to go that route, individual training. So I always get into their brain as far as something they can sustain for six months. Automatically, if you're three times, we know you need two to three times a week. Two times is cutting it. You know, right now, Mike's working one, two times a week, and it's, you know, two times. You can do a lot two months as far as increasing quality of life program with some of the people. You can do a lot. We're doing it. But automatically, you're looking at usually three times a week. That's $600 a month, you know. So if you can't afford that, like automatically, we're going to personal assistance training, which is an awesome option because it's still individualized. We can still work with your weaknesses, but you got to realize, hey, Mike's going to multitask amongst all of us. And it works good once you've been doing it or we've done like a tapered program where you start out with personal training, then go to personal assistant. 
So then you're looking at a little lower budget. And then, hey, I have some people come in there. Automatically, if they can only afford $150 a month, they're going into group training. This is what it is. And I specifically tell them, look, this is not the best program for you, but we can make this work for you. So on some of these days where it's a lot of volume, you starting out too many squats, I want you to do slam balls instead or something. You just say, hey, we're going to move around some things. And a lot of times if they communicate with the code, it works out well. So and it's just basically saying, hey, we're going to have we're not going to shun anybody, but this is what we're going to do. This is what we can do so you can come in here and sustain this. So, so JP, you have a competition coming up in February. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 absolutely. We're going to do uh, – I just put it out there. Um, we're going to do we, – we recently had our last one on Labor Day in September, and it's basically – I call it a push-pull squat hinge loaded carry relative strength competition. And it's basically seven events, and it's kind of just – uh, basically what we train for in our group training, basically, um, you know, the bench press, the squat, the deadlift, the standing overhead press, um, pull-ups, strict pull-ups, strict dips, and a bodyweight loaded farmer's carry. So we might possibly uh, throw in a spice it up a little bit, throw in a new event or something like that, do something different. But uh, yeah, it's basically a time. Anybody's invited. Anybody can come. We encourage everybody. I wanted to have a competition where anybody could come to, like any strength athlete. It's really not technical. It's really not a whole bunch of skill based. It's not like a guy who doesn't know how to do Olympic lift. Man, I don't know how to clean and jerk. I can't go do that. You know. <laughs> so it, it, it's not like I can't do double unders. I can't yeah. go do go to do this CrossFit competition. I don't know how to walk on my hands. Well, look, we got something for you. This is something that you can come have fun and come do. So now at, at this point in your career, do you feel like this is a comfortable place for you or do you have visions of where you want to take M3 in the future? Um, Good question. Yeah, I got, man, I got some vision. I feel like I went through a period where I was, you know, it was tough, man. I was working like 120 hours. It was extremely tough till unfortunately had Mike come along. I got to be honest, I was working 120. Didn't get, I didn't work out for like nine months, man. I legitimately, like I, I went from showing up to the gym at five in the morning and I had to work till about two. Then I had to be back to coach the evening classes at 4.30. Showing up for these classes, people aren't showing up. Showing up on Saturdays, people aren't showing up. But when you start out with six classes a day and people pay for it, you only have eight members. You got to be there for them. You got to remain disciplined. You got to stay consistent. You can't be one of these guys who's not there for their classes. So it was hard for me to learn to, you know, the feeling you get when you take some pre-workout and you're on your way to the gym. Oh, man, I'm about to go tear this workout up. Or, or shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't get that anymore because I had to go from, all right, I'm in my workplace to, all right, now it's time for me to work out, but I also got to be here back here at 430. I'm stressed. I'm in the beginning of growing my business. So I just kind of, I went through this kind of little depression phase. I was focused on my business. I was putting all my energy into my business, but I let myself fall off. Well, now since I got Mike, I've been back training consistently for maybe six months now, feeling great, feeling good. So I've taken some time out for me doing this powerlifting competition. Right after this powerlifting competition this weekend, I'm going to this business seminar. So I'm looking at a few things of directions I want to take through things. I've talked to Mike about certain things I want to go. And and so I'm hoping over the next two weeks to kind of get inspired at this business seminar and see where we want to go from there. Can maybe you, a second uh, place, not sure yet. But Can you share with us maybe 
some of the things that you did well starting this business and some of the things that you wish you would have done differently? Oh, man. Okay. Golly. Good question. Some of the things I did well. Hmm. Man. All right. Well, some of the things I did well, I definitely think I stayed I stayed on the path. I stayed like disciplined and I stayed rooted in my concept. Like I remember whenever I first opened, people told me my prices were too high in comparison to like CrossFit gyms because we were like $10 more than the most expensive CrossFit gym. But I was like, no way, not for what we're doing. Like we, we do the best to individualize people's strength numbers in a group training class. Like no other gym does that. They don't, they just say, you know, they don't care. They just kind of let you do whatever. So I stayed just consistent as far as being there. I mean, it was tough, man, legitimately working 120 hours a week. Um, Golly, man, what are some of the things I did good, man? I obviously did good as far as community building. I mean, we've got an awesome. I mean, we're successful. We're doing good. Um, some of the things I definitely need to f- figure out um, better marketing. Ta- I mean, those are areas I need to grow on as far as the business side. At. Um, I got into this social media marketing and, you know, which was had some ups to it and then had some downs to it so i kind of envision like for our group training kind of just capping it saying look we're 60 members this is all this is was my this is kind of my vision so just to say look we're we're 60 member group training gym that's it and then people go on a waiting list like put up a 500 deposit you want a waiting list to become another member and us really focusing on those 60 members and, and kind of creating this environment where look you have to it, it takes you can't just get into this place this is we're not just after selling memberships and take care of these people so like everybody goes through an enrollment before you start our group training where we'll teach you all of our foundational movements i would like to extend that enrollment like and make it even more like to where maybe like a three-week course or something and maybe even we have like a class set at these times where you have to go through so many of these before you even like you graduate into the group so there's always man there's and there's always going to be things i need to work on as far as getting better in business so, but, but some of the things i think i did good was i seeked out um andy baker he he co-wrote a practical program with mark ripto he owned he's successful he owns a strength and conditioning facility in texas i seeked him out paid him for his time like an hour phone call picked his brain on a bunch of stuff i mean a bunch of things that i learned especially kind of i took that niche the personal assistance training borrowed some concept he trains a lot more older people and charges a lot more i, I and, and i kind of took that and, and kind of adapted it to our demographic i don't feel like our demographic we don't have professional ball clubs you know what i mean we don't we're not in a big city the demographic you got to look at. I feel like we're doing an awesome job for working with what we got within our community, providing the service that says, "Hey, we have something for everybody." We offer a kids class, even kids, sixty bucks a month. You can come twice a week to this class, Friday and Saturday, and it's just like GPP work. You know, it's, we're just teaching basic body movements, pushing sleds, flipping tires. Mike gets uh, gives him even, I mean, more individualized athletic stuff, but. I mean, that's something right there for $60 a month. You can come in eight times a week, I mean, for your kid. I mean, so. Another thing that you're doing really well of that Tyler's very impressed by is your social media spitfiring on Instagram. Oh, man. I think I think I I, I got to reinvent myself, though. I got to reinvent myself. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. So I'll touch on that. So whenever I, I got out of prison, I immediately saw that 
whoa, man, this guy gave me a phone and he said, you got the world in your hand. And I was like, what is he talking about? So funny, <laughs> funny story. Welcome I got on future. <laughs> funny. This is a funny story. So I got on Facebook and I saw this guy I knew. He said he was eating at this bar, Atlanta, and it's like the bars, Atlanta Braves, I guess it's like a restaurant or something like that. And it triggered this memory me and him had of when I was in middle school, me and him for, for our football team, we went to Atlanta Braves game. And he told me, he said, hey, follow me. I know how to get the signatures from the ball players." He said, follow me. I know how to get the signatures. So we snuck away from the team. This is in middle school. And uh, I got like a Tom, a Tom Glavin signature, Mark Lemke, Raphael Palmero. I got oh, the yeah. signatures. So when I saw him on Facebook posted, I put a message on. I said, man, you just took back a memory. Remember that time you took me? We got the ball. And I was like, dude. And then he fired back a minute later, 60 seconds. He messaged. I was like, dude, I was just in contact with this dude. I hadn't talked to this guy in 10 years. And I started seeing. I was like, holy shit. I was like, man, this is a different world. Because when I left... When I left, if you wanted to go reach people, well, what would you do? You'd go get in your car. You'd hand out flyers. You'd hand out brochures, hand out business cards. Well, now you got it's free. Social media and marketing is free. So when I got the job at Workout Anytime, my natural, I feel like I just got a natural entrepreneur spirit. When I got the job at Workout Anytime, I told the owners, I said, take a picture with me real quick, shaking my hand. So I took a picture and I automatically went to post it on Facebook. Hey, I just got a job at a workout anytime. I'll be starting here at this date. If you're looking for training, come see me. Blah, 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 blah. I'll be starting this date. The day I started, the girl said, you've had like four people already come in here asking about training for you. And just I used that. So I started taking videos, taking pictures of my clients while they're training. And then I'd become friends with them. And then their friends would see their progress and then I'm reaching people that didn't. Now, ideally, if you ask me, yeah, sometimes, honestly, I'm like, man, this is douchebag. I'm holding a video while I'm supposed to be training my client. This is douchebag of me to do. But at the end of the day, if I don't have any clients, I'm not going to be training anybody. So I feel like it comes with the territory. Sometimes, like, I have to do this. I don't necessarily want to do it. I try to do it in the safest manner. But it's one of the things that it works. And I feel like with our group training, I think they love it, man. I think a lot of them after the like classes, they're looking on their page, like for me to post. Sometimes I forget and I'm like, damn, I'm making 530 jealous class, get making them jealous because I post the morning, not the evening or stuff. But speaking of awesome thing. Oh, yeah. For those of you out there, be careful with Facebook posting videos on Facebook playing the music, because if you're playing copyrighted music, you'll get away with it for so long. But then they're going to start taking away your rights to be able to do that. I've been banned. Yeah. I, and, and speaking of this, I just got off Facebook probation yesterday because I, my video just posted for that video for the competition. It just posted on Facebook. I've been banned for like 90 days, I think. Wasn't able to shoot. And now I'm doing my best not to lose that because you know how I lost it last time on Instagram? You know, whenever you let it, it'll go to Facebook. I freaking had that thing on and music was playing. On Instagram, you could play whatever, but on Facebook, you can't do that. And the more you get caught doing it, the more they catch you, they'll kick you off. So now it's like, I keep telling Mike, I want to get some videos of him talking about, you know, what, what, you know, training athletes and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, I told Tiffany, I was like, I ain't messing this up this time. I got my rights back. No music's going on Facebook. I'm not messing that up. So for those of you out there, though, social media is an awesome marketing tool um, to be able to reach 
uh, become friends with your members and their family members and then other people who, whenever you're changing their life, they see you and kind of they know, hey, that's the guy to go train. I've had so many people say, I keep seeing your videos pop up. I keep so I had they know contact me. This guy's videos pop. And I feel like I've outworked a lot of people in that because a lot of people just want to utilize their Facebook and stuff for just personal, 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 them, them, them. When I, I, I tend to use it for my community that I'm trying to build. So I try to be careful, like what I post, like sometimes I get a little carried away with posting the PRs and stuff, but like, you don't see me saying stuff about like, Oh, that's easy doing because I know what it's like for some of my clients to get their first push up, get their first pull up and stuff like that so but awesome tool man awesome tool and yeah that's that's something that we talk about all the time is setting achievable goals and realistic goals for your individual needs you know and that's that's another thing that comes along with the social media world is you're constantly seeing all these other people moving huge weight 600 pound deadlift 700 pound squats you know but you have to set achievable goals for yourself absolutely yeah i agree 100 percent. i'm seeing some right now i'm like man you ain't even hit 700 you want 800 man (laughs) (laughs) i think what it is also too though man it's not even the numbers we hit once we get there it's the process we go through getting there man that's that's the man the process it's the most beautiful part yeah man that's the part i enjoy the most man like once you get it you're like you've already gone on to the next one it's not good enough once you got it but yeah well, JP, we just want to thank you for joining us on Piper's Performance Podcast. I think your story is very inspirational to everybody, and especially those who are maybe, you know, thinking about taking that leap into starting their own business, whether whether it be the training world or something else, you know, just taking that step into entrepreneurship. And I think one important thing you can you can do is just, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with mimicking somebody else's path to success as long as you can make it your own at at the end of the day. Absolutely, man. I, I agree. one. I think we all learn from everybody. I've learned from so many people and I always try to give those people credit. Everybody that I've learned through, learn from a- along the way. And if I can help anybody in any, any way, as far as a phone, a phone call to save you some of the heartaches and things that I've done, I, you know, you could take my advice. I'll give you the raw truth of just what I think. And one of the things, like I say, just what guys is, listen, man, you've got to have a good understanding on people, the general population. Don't have this understanding of just what you want and just this community, just what you want to build, unless this is just something for you for hobby. Like you're just going to open up this warehouse and you don't care if it makes money. This is somewhere you've got your money, you've got your job, and it's just for fun. That's awesome. I come, I'm, I'm envious of you, you know. But it, when, you, when you're going to go into doing something for a living look at what the what's going to work for the general population don't look at just the community of what kind of style of training you do you need to make sure that's appealing to everybody because let's be honest here most people out there it's just the basics man it's the basics man shout out for mike uh third podcast appearance we uh we love the science thank you guys i feel so special guest host mike matz yeah (laughs) so for all our listeners we'll we'll post uh, Mike and JP's social media tags in the description below. So if you want to go ahead and check out their social media sites and give them a follow, do that. Um, and we'll do the same for myself and Tyler. Yeah, guys, thanks for uh, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be sure to have more podcasts in the future. Again, uh, feel free to leave any comments about the show, anything we could do to make it better for you, and then some ideas of future podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you.